You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast may cause dizziness, confusion, bloating, uncontrollable laughter, and in some cases, anal leakage. Listener discretion is strongly advised. This is episode number 20 of Excuse Me, That's Illegal, the podcast that takes a hardcore look at some softcore crime. I'm your girly guide, Leroy Luna, coming at you straight out of the closet with, well, you guessed it, a couple of stories involving the girl guides and their lucrative cookie selling business. It's going to be a good time, and I'm super pumped about it. Also, hey, 20 episodes, can you believe it? At this point, I was going to play my little air horn, something I enjoy using when celebrating. It's from a toy my kids have. I've um, I played it before when I was in the mood to party. I made sure to play it at a low level, not very loud, but I just received a one-star review. This lady said, um, well, I'll read it. It's from Mrs. Mad Maddie from the U.S. of A., and she titles it, Episode 18 Starts with an Air Horn. She says, does the host not understand earphones? Airhorns give many seizures, so unfortunately, I can't listen or trust this content not to hurt me when listening. Seriously, I had a seizure. I'm done. Uh, okay, so yeah, that kind of caught me off guard. Like I said, I didn't play it at a super high level. It wasn't intended to scare anyone. I think she's just looking for something to complain about. At least I hope so. I want you guys to have a good, stress-free time hanging out here. I definitely don't want to be giving anyone seizures, especially if you're driving on the highway. Man... I'd apologize to Mrs. Maddie, but unfortunately, she's not listening anymore. Going forward, there will be no more air horns, which sucks because I love them. But hey, the customer is always right. Well, that's not entirely true, but it's not in the show's best interest to be hospitalizing listeners, though, is it? This little show is growing up. 20 episodes. Wow. No longer a teenager anymore. It's now a young adult ready to go out there and take on the world. And I'm so happy to have thousands upon thousands of you guys to take along with me. Ah, screw it. <laughs> well, that didn't last long, did it? 
I just can't celebrate without my air horn. Wouldn't be right. I guess I'll just have to add to the disclaimer at the top of the show. Listening to this program may cause seizures and anal leakage. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Also, I'm going to have to invest in an extra minivan to load all you party animals up on these adventures. In order to ease us into this episode, we have a joke here. And these are always sent in by you, the listeners. This one comes via Andrew K. from Ottawa. And he says, um, oh, cool. This is actually a wholesome one. I like that. Because we all know this is a family show. But sometimes people send in some dirty jokes. Thankfully, not the case this time. Andrew says, what's long and hard and has come in the middle of it? This is an easy one. There's only one possible answer, and that's a cucumber. All right, you know what that sound means. This crowded minivan is raring to go. So let's cruise these suburban streets as I serenade you with another tale of low-level true crime. Don't worry, my friends. I promise to get you back home in time to watch the evening news. Have I said that one before? It's hard to keep track. Anyway, let's go. Episode number 20, Cookie Monsters. I was never a member of the Girl Guides myself, but growing up I do remember having to sell chocolate-covered almonds to help make money for school trips. I always did the bare minimum, hated going door-to-door harassing people to make a few bucks for the school. But there was this one year in particular, back in grade 7, that I remember quite fondly, where me and my buddy Sean, well, we made it like bandits. It's amazing what you can do with the proper motivation. It all started one weekend when we had nothing to do. It was Saturday morning, we met up at his place around 10am, and by 10.30, we were already bored out of our minds. That's when Sean came up with an idea to liven up our weekend. He looked over at the couple cases of chocolate-covered almonds that had sat there untouched in the corner of his bedroom since a few days earlier when he had brought them home. He said, let's go sell some of these almonds, then we'll have the cash to have a kick-ass weekend. Those chocolate-covered goodies weren't my responsibility, so I was all like, hell yeah, I'm in. We spent the next couple hours hustling, and we were able to sell 15 boxes of those bad boys, and at $2 a piece, we had just made a cool 30 bucks. I convinced my mom to let me sleep over at Sean's that night, and it was the best. We rented a couple video games, a movie, pop, chips, candy, you name it. Turned out to be a pretty awesome weekend. As for punishment for our sins, Sean ended up being about $20 short with his almond money, so he told his mom he must have dropped a $20 bill. A little cash could go a long way back then. She got a little annoyed about it, but just ended up replacing the cash. It was kind of the perfect crime. I guess if we had taken more money, we would have had more problems. I suppose if we had taken hundreds of dollars, for example, we would have had to get more creative, covering up our crime. Okay. Today's episode covers a couple of stories involving the Girl Guides and their cookie sales. And what a racket it is. Extremely profitable. And as we all know, with extreme profits comes extreme scumbaggery. 
that cockroaches come out of the woodwork. We'll catch a couple people with their hands in the cookie jar, so to speak. Cookie selling season for the Girl Scouts is around January to April of each year. I have a few facts and figures here collected from an article by Vox.com, and they really dug into it. A box of the cookies typically sells for $4, and they on average sell about 200 million of those boxes a year. It's an average of $800 million annually in cookie sales in that short period of time. To put that into perspective, the Girl Scouts are making more profits than Chips Ahoy. They're absolutely killing it. It helps that they're being sold by young girls, and it's for a good cause, for sure. And it doesn't hurt that they're absolutely delicious. Thin Mints are the number one seller. So good. I used to like putting them in the freezer for a nice cold treat. These cookies used to mainly be sold door-to-door, but now they can be found online. Or you might see a family selling them outside of Walmart or a big store like that. You also have the parents unloading them at work. There's this guy at my work, hustling every year. He tries to act tough while he's doing it. It's, uh, it's pretty ridiculous. You want the Thin Mints? Whatever you need, I got you covered, homie. Oh, I got a few cases of the dosi dos back at the house. I'll bring them in for you tomorrow, man. And if you say no to him, he can get hostile. Well, you don't have four bucks to support the cause, bro? I better not catch you at the vending machines later, homie. Okay, I'm exaggerating a little, but the guy is a nuisance. Not a bad salesman, though. ABC, always be closing. The first story takes place in Forest Grove, which is a city in Washington County in the state of Oregon. It's about 25 miles west of Portland. According to NeighborhoodScout.com, Forest Grove is only safer than 28% of U.S. cities. Chances of becoming a victim of a violent crime are about 1 in 491. And well, will you look at those odds? We are now joining a man on March 6th of 2019 who just became a victim of one of those violent crimes. Brian David Couture, who lives on Wilhelmina Avenue, has just called 911 reporting a robbery at his home. When police arrive, he is at first unresponsive. When he comes to, he explains how he just got into a scuffle with a man who had entered his house through a sliding glass door and attempted to rob him. The place is in disarray, and Brian does appear to be injured, so they take him to the hospital. Investigators who are checking out the crime scene find his blood spattered all over the living room. Brian's laptop from work is busted up, but wasn't taken. In fact, it didn't appear anything was taken. Brian then tells him about the empty jar on the counter. It had contained about $740. Those were from his daughter's cookie sales. You see, his sweet little girl was hustling for the girl guides. She'd be heartbroken when she found out that the money was missing. Police begin to question Brian further. They start to pick apart his story. And that's when it all begins to crumble. Brian's having trouble keeping the facts straight. Why'd they attack you? How did this person know about the cookie money? What did the perpetrator look like? The guilt must have started sinking in. Brian couldn't take it anymore, and he confessed that he had made the entire thing up. He had been the one to take his daughter's Girl Scout money, then panicked when he realized he couldn't pay it back, so he came up with this elaborate scheme to cover it up. I think we've all kind of been there. Not this exact scenario, obviously. I just mean making one mistake, then making several more to try to weasel your way out of it, then getting caught up in a web of your own lies. Sometimes it works out. Other times it just blows up in your face and becomes ten times worse. And that would be the case for Brian David Couture. Should have known he was guilty all along. When you throw that middle name in the mix, that's usually a telltale sign that we're dealing with a badass criminal. John Wayne Gacy, Lee Harvey Oswald, Haley Joe Osmond, to name just a few. At first I wondered why didn't Brian just go along with his plan? But I kind of get why he confessed. 
Probably thought they'd ask a couple questions, make a report, and it would be over and done with. But nope. They brought a police dog in there. Imagine that. You got the dog walking around the house, trying to pick up the scent of the thief, and he's sniffing Brian's leg. Then walking around a bit. Then he just goes back and stands next to him, looking at him with those judging eyes and snarling. The home was made into a crime scene with, you know, the yellow caution tape all around it. There was a forensic team and people taking pictures and several police cars with flashing lights surrounding the place. Would have been pretty overwhelming. Guess he went too hard with his injuries too. In the police photo, (laughs) he looks pretty roughed up, standing there with a black eye. Makes you want to be a fly on the wall while he staged the scene. I imagine he punched himself in the face a few times. There was also blood around the house. Maybe too much blood. Don't even know if it was his. If this was an actual robbery, it is kind of a scary random home invasion, and I get why the police were on top of things. Brian was unresponsive when they got there. He pretended to be unconscious, so when the police arrived and woke him up and he explained what happened, unless Brian Guy has some serious acting chops, I'd imagine the police were suspicious of the whole stage scene right from the get-go. KGWTV interviewed a neighbor named Brooke Gwynn. She was originally pretty rattled by the situation. When she found out it was all a sham, she was asked how she felt about it. Nervous neighbor quote, Very relieved. Very, very relieved. We put sticks in all our doors, and I started setting the alarm during the day, because I was afraid to be home by myself during the day. End quote. As I said before, things get worse for Brian. Somehow we find out why he took the cookie money. I guess he just wanted to lay all his cards on the table. As they say, the truth will set you free. He spent his daughter's $740 on an erotic massage. That's right. I don't know how he's going to be able to look his daughter in the eye after this one. This is a hard one to recover from, folks. Definitely a messy situation that will not come with a happy ending. It's one thing if it was to pay the rent or food or the bills, because you got to pay the bills. But no, he spent it all on getting rubbed and tugged. Which, hey, I've never been to one of these establishments myself, but I do have a friend who's told me great things. For about 150 bucks, let's say 200 with tip, he had himself a great time. So either Brian was addicted and going several times, or if this was just for one visit, 700 bucks would go a long way. The masseuse, you can't see me, but I'm using air quotes. For that kind of cash, he was probably doing crazy stuff with his butt and who knows what else. Anyways, is it just me or is it getting hot in here? Okay, so Brian David Couture, BDC, pled guilty to initiating a false report. He got off pretty easy on this one. He received 18 months probation, 80 hours of community service, and a $100 fine. And of course, he will have to pay back the $740. KPTV, a news station, talked to a spokeswoman for the Girl Scouts. I love these stuffy, prepared statements. She said, quote, We have been in contact with the Forest Grove Police Department and are working with them to resolve the matter. At this time, the Girl Scouts of Oregon and Southwest Washington is following our normal procedure to collect on funds owed. The stewardship of Girl Scout troop funds is a top priority for our organization, and that is our focus in this matter. End quote. So there you have it. Brian does a little community service, gets some probation, and pays back the money that he stole. The real punishment, let's face it, won't be coming from the police. Poor Brian will likely be getting ridiculed at work, get strange looks from the neighbors. He's probably lost the respect of his daughter. I'm not sure how she'll be able to go back to the Girl Scouts. And oh boy, 
No doubt he also has some explaining to do to his wife. His face was plastered all over the news. It's all over the internet. That stuff never totally goes away. There's also semi-successful up-and-coming podcasters doing stories on his softcore crime. Sorry about that, Brian. If you're out there listening to this, you got to admit, from the outside looking in, it's pretty funny. But I do hope you recover from this one. And as the days go by and there are newer, bigger scandals being uncovered, time will heal your wounds, my friend. It always does. Ugh. But seriously, if you put yourself in Brian's shoes for a second, he made some silly mistakes, selfish mistakes. But honestly, people do much worse, and it's hard not to take pity on the guy. It could have been worse. And it's not going to be hard to find a scummier dude. In fact, I have one right now. So let's go to Capitol Hill, which is a residential neighborhood in Washington, D.C., to get the details on our next cookie caper. We have a woman named Tracy Brown, and she's the mother of triplets. Seven-year-old triplets. And she's outside with two of them, selling off Girl Guide cookies like a boss out front of her home. They've got themselves a sweet little setup. The date is Monday, March 9th, 2020, and it's in the late afternoon. The coronavirus pandemic was just starting to feel real around this time. It was two days after this incident that the NBA abruptly suspended their basketball season, and that's when I really started taking this seriously. Being a guy who doesn't really pay much attention to the news, not the serious stuff anyways, this caught my attention. I mean, they don't just stop professional sports for no reason. Getting back to our girl guide story here, though. Tracy and her cute little daughters are on the corner. They have a table with like 12 cases of cookies, more on the ground beside them. They got the Thin Mints, the Lemon Ups, the Caramel Delights. You name it, it's there. And they're making a killing. It's for charity, you know, good wholesome times. So they have their successful little lemonade stand type setup. Things are going great. And now here's where it's going to get interesting. Tracy helps out a couple of customers and they're paying with big bills. We're talking 50s and 100s. You know the deal. Tracy's trying to keep everything in order. Like I said, they're making some big sales. So she has this money bag. She doesn't want to be weighed down with all this cash, and she's trying to be careful. She grabs some change from the money sack and then returns this sack of cash back to her minivan. She stores it under the passenger side seat. She goes back to selling. She's got people lining up to get their hands on her biscuits. And next thing she knows, one of her helpers is yelling to her warning her some guy is going into her vehicle to snatch that money. During this chaos, Tracy forgot to lock her doors. And by the way, there's a lot of money in there, over $1,500. They've been selling cookies for a couple days now. Tracy had said she tried to unload some of the cash earlier to the Girl Scouts rep. They go to church together, but she didn't see her that day, so she has a lot of dough here. Here's a quote from Tracy from ABC News on how it played out. Tracy quote, She goes, He's in your car trying to take your money. So I turned around and was like, oh my god. So I tried to grab him by his dreadlocks, and they slipped out of my hands. So I ran around the front of my car and tried to, unfortunately, foolishly, take the money from him. End quote. Tracy's tough. I like her. And she was going to make this dreadlocked douche work for it. He's going to have to earn that money if he was going to take it from her and her girls. They worked too damn hard to just give it up. The man ran back to his vehicle, and reports say he ran Tracy over. That's a slight exaggeration. She had a scab on her knee from when she fell, I believe. He made a quick getaway in his vehicle, and it may have brushed up alongside her. Still dramatic in an intense scene with her girls there and all that. But let's be real here, she wasn't run over. Tracy then said, quote, The kids shouldn't be seeing stuff like that, and no one should be stealing from the Girl Scouts. 
This is a charitable organization. It's not even me or my money. End quote. Amen. And what a piece of garbage this guy was. And it must have been frightening for the girls to see their mom fighting with this guy, getting robbed and then almost hit by a car. Luckily, Tracy and witnesses got a good look at the car. It was a white Hyundai. And they also got the license plate number. Booyah. Case solved, right? Wrong. Unfortunately, this man doesn't just steal from children. About 10 minutes earlier, someone had left their car running out front of a convenience store, and he took off with it. Sounds like the beginnings of a pretty sweet crime spree. New wheels, 1500 bucks in less than 10 minutes. Not bad. But that is where it ends for us. I'm assuming the man ditched the vehicle shortly thereafter, and it looks like he was never caught. Crazy how often people are willing to steal from children. I guess it's because it's fairly easy. Victims of opportunity. One might say it's like taking candy from a baby. There's incidents where people just outright steal off young girls. Then other, more clever ways, like a man who paid using a counterfeit $100 bill. Man, people can be ruthless. Nothing is really surprising anymore now, is it? No word on what the Girl Scouts spokeswoman had to say about the $1,500 theft. I'm sure they'd love to hold someone accountable. I'd love to hear a prepared statement. Guess they gotta chalk that one up as a loss. But something tells me, despite it all, they'll be just fine. And we are back. That's a wrap on episode number 20, Cookie Monsters. I hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. As always, I want to thank Steffi for voicing the disclaimer, the operator for providing the sweet, sweet theme music, and my boo for editing this episode. All right, you know what time it is. It's listener story time. So, let's get criminal, criminal. I want to get criminal. Hey Leroy, my name's Tyler and I uh, come from Palm Bay, Florida. So yes, I am a Florida man, but thankfully one with a bit more common sense. Case in point, this is not a story of something that I did, but something that I was involved in. You'll understand in a second. So for a quick context, my mother and sister were going to Wyoming for about a week or so, and I didn't want to go, so I volunteered to stay behind and watch over a little uh, teacup Yorkie. And uh, the day before, I got violently sick. Like, I'm talking, like, shivering, shaking, coughing, runny nose, sore throat, just, just horrendously sick. I don't know what hit me, but it hit me hard. So the next day, after surprisingly feeling a little bit better and dropping my mother and sister off at the airport, I come home and the sickness just comes back in a second wave and just hits me hard. So I jump out of my mother's car and just rush back into the house and just spend the rest of my day just shivering, shaking, and just feeling absolutely miserable. Cut to about 2 a.m. that night, and I hear knocking at my door and the doorbell, and of course the dog is freaking out. So I get up, and there is a police officer on my doorstep, and they say, Sir, your car has been broken into. And I immediately freak out, because, like I said, this was my mother's car. (laughs) So I'm worried that they took something. But no, surprisingly not. Uh, They explained to me that all of the stuff that they had taken, not only from my car, but from everyone else's car, had been dumped in the middle of the street. So they obviously didn't find anything of value, thank God. 
And before you ask, nothing was broken in the car because, like I said earlier, I had rushed into the house, so I had left the car unlocked in my haste to just get inside my house. So cut to some time later, the kids have been arrested and they have gone to a trial and pled guilty. I had to, uh, I almost had to play a witness to their case, but they pled guilty, so I didn't have to go through that wonderful court process. And so they were told that they had to send letters to everyone they had robbed, in quotation marks, because they didn't take anything from me or my family, and basically said, I did something wrong, I'll never do it again, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure there was some uh, unpaid volunteer hours or something like that, community service, rather. So my mother works in the school district, and she basically hops from school to school, helping certain students get to where they need to be, helping teachers plan their course. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. She's essentially a staffing specialist. And so she's meeting with this one particular student, and he's looking a little bit glum, and my mother asks him, uh, what's the matter? And he basically explains that he had been involved in an incident where he had been arrested for robbing some cars, and he had to write a message to the people that he and his friends had robbed. And my mother just goes, that wouldn't have happened to have been on such and such street, right? And the kid goes pale and looks up to her. And my mother just goes, I'll be looking forward to your letter. <laughs> Funny how life works like that, huh? The only thing that would make the story better is if I actually had the letter on hand. But ah, I do not. And I'm sorry for that. But yeah, that's more or less the story. Just some punk kids getting into some mischief and causing me a minor inconvenience on top of the uh, major inconvenience of me being ill. So, yeah, that's uh, more or less my story. Hope it was enough to uh, entertain you and uh, my fellow listeners. You're doing a good job on the podcast, man. Keep it up. I love this kind of stuff. As do I, Tyler. As do I. That was great. Thanks for that, man. Uh, it's a small world sometimes, isn't it? What are the odds? Email me your softcore crimes, and just like my pal Tyler here, yours could one day be heard on the show. I'm happy to say I've received lots of stories, so don't be discouraged if yours hasn't been played yet. We'll get to it. All in good time. Before we get out of here, I have a promo to hit you with on the way out. It's for a podcast called Keystone State of Mind. Wild stories from Pennsylvania. The host, my friend Steph, she covers mainly true crime, but also occasionally dabbles in the paranormal and other wacky true stories. It's really cool, and I think you'll enjoy the laid-back vibe of it all. But I'll let her tell you all about it in a moment. As for me, I'll be coming right back at you in another 10 days. Take care, my friends. Peace. Take it away, Steph. Hey guys, I'm Steph, the host of Keystone State of Mind, the podcast. If you're into true crime, urban legends, and the dark side of history, then you'll love my show. In each episode, I tell a story from the dark side of Pennsylvania history. 
But you don't have to hail from the Keystone State to enjoy this podcast. You just need an interest in history and a dark sense of humor. Some topics I've covered on Keystone State of Mind are serial killer Gary Heidnick, the Three Mile Island nuclear disaster, the Kecksburg UFO incident, and the mysterious death of Jonathan Luna. There are over 25 episodes to binge right now, so go find Keystone State of Mind on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.